Welcome everyone to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There you'll also see an option to subscribe for a most excellent daily email with both our text reading and the lesson for the day from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lee Flynn. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. Today we continue with Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, with Section 7, The Temple of the Holy Spirit. We're also mindful of Lesson 230, Um, Today's lesson 230, Now Will I Seek and Find the Peace of God. Lori, what have you selected to start us off this morning? Well, I was really happy to find this one yesterday. It's a poem in the book, Susceptible to Light, by Shailen Harkin. And the poem itself is called Judgment Day. What is Judgment Day? consists of grouping together all the people you acted in dumb ways around in this absurd life as you were waking up from those damn fool ways we are all waking up from, by the way, and laughing and grieving our hearts back into tenderness together now that we finally understand. (laughs) Amen. So great. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Good one, Lori. Okay, with us and reading this morning, we have Lemoyne, Lori, Fran, Yvonne, Jessica, Robin, oh no, uh, Micah. And listening with us this morning, we have Ida. Robin Marie, Chris, Wendy, Reverend Rija, and Roz. Anyone else join us? So I'd like to. Good morning. It's Lana. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lee. I can read today. Hey, Lana. Good morning. Okay, we continue then with Chapter 20 The Promise of the Resurrection, Section 7 the temple of the Holy Spirit. The meaning of the Son of God lies solely in his relationship with his Creator. If it were elsewhere, it would rest upon contingency. But there is nothing else. And this is wholly loving and forever. Yet has the Son of God invented an unholy relationship between him and his father. His real relationship is one of perfect union and unbroken continuity. One he made is partial, self-centered, broken into fragments, and full of fear. The one created by his father is wholly self-encompassing and self-extending. One he made is wholly self-destructive, and self-limiting. 
Lemoyne. Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection. Okay, I want to read it the way I heard someone else read it the other day. Chapter 20, The Promise of Resurrection. Section 7, The Temple of the Holy Spirit. The meaning of the Son of God lies solely in his relationship with his Creator. If it were elsewhere, it would rest upon contingency. But there is nothing else. And this is wholly loving and forever. Yet has the Son of God invented an unholy relationship between him and his Father? His real relationship is one of perfect union and unbroken continuity. The one he made is partial, self-centered, broken into fragments, and full of fear. The one created by his Father is wholly self-encompassing and self-extending. The one he made is wholly self-destructive and self-limiting. Nothing can show the contrast better than the experience of both a holy and an unholy relationship. The first is based on love and rests on it, serene and undisturbed. The body does not intrude upon it. Any relationship in which the body enters is based not on love, but on idolatry. Love wishes to be known, completely understood, and shared. It has no secrets, nothing that it would keep apart and hide. It walks in sunlight, open-eyed and in smiling welcome, and in sincerity so simple and so obvious, it cannot be misunderstood. But idols, <coughs> do not, but idols do not share. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lori. Nothing can show the contrast better than the experience of both a holy and an unholy relationship. The first is based on love and rests on it serene and undisturbed. The body does not intrude upon it. Any relationship in which the body enters is based not on love but on idolatry. Love wishes to be known, completely understood and shared. It has no secrets, nothing that it would keep apart and hide. It walks in sunlight, open-eyed and calm, and smiling welcome and in sincerity so simple and so obvious it cannot be misunderstood. But idols do not share. 47. Idols accept, but never make return. They can be loved, but cannot love. They do not understand what they are offered, and any relationship in which they enter has lost its meaning. They live in secrecy, hating the sunlight and happy in the body's darkness where they can hide and keep their secrets hidden along with them. And they have no relationships for no one else is welcome there. They smile on no one and those who smile on them they do not see. Thank you, Laurie. 
Fran. 47. Idols accept, but never make return. They can be loved, but cannot love. They do not understand what they are offered, and any relationship in which they enter has lost its meaning. They live in secrecy, hating the sunlight and happy in the body's darkness where they can hide and keep their secrets hidden along with them. And they have no relationships, for no one else is welcome there. They smile on no one, and those who smile on them they do not see. 48. Love has no darkened temples where mysteries are kept obscure and hidden from the sun. It does not seek for power, but for relationships. The body is the ego's chosen weapon for seeking power through relationships, and its relationships must be unholy. For what they are, it does not even see. It wants them solely for the offerings on which its idols thrive. The rest is merely thro- it merely throws away. For all that it could offer is seen as valueless. Homeless, the ego seeks as many bodies as it can collect to place its idols in and so establish them as temples to itself. Thank you, Fran. Yvonne. Thank you, Nate. Love has no darkened temples where mysteries are kept obscure and hidden from the sun. It does not seek for power, but for relationships. The body is the ego's chosen weapon for seeking power through relationships. And its relationships must be unholy. For what they are, it does not even see. It wants them solely for the offerings on which its idols thrive. The rest it merely throws away. For all that it could offer is seen as value. Homeless, the ego seeks as many bodies as it can collect to place its idols in and to establish them as temples to itself. The Holy Spirit's temple is not a body, but a relationship. The body is an isolated speck of darkness, a hidden secret room a tiny spot of senseless mystery, (laughs) a meaningless enclosure carefully protected, yet hiding nothing. Here the unholy relationship escapes reality and seeks for crumbs to keep itself alive. Here it will drag its brothers, holding them here in its its idolatry. Here it is safe, quote-unquote, for here love cannot enter. The Holy Spirit does not build his temples where love can never be. Would he who sees the face of Christ choose as his home the only place in all the universe where it cannot be seen? Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Jessica? Hopefully. 49. The Holy Spirit's temple is not a body, but a relationship. The body is an isolated speck of darkness, a hidden secret room, a tiny spot of senseless mystery, a meaningless enclosure, carefully protected, yet hiding nothing. 
Here, the unholy relationship escapes reality and seeks for crumbs to keep itself alive. Here, it would drag its brothers, holding them here in its idolatry. Here, it is so-called safe, for here, love cannot enter. The Holy Spirit does not build his temples where love can never be. Would he who sees the face of Christ choose as his home the only place in all the universe where it cannot be seen? 50. You cannot make the body the Holy Spirit's temple, and it will never be the seed of love. It is the home of the idolater and of love's condemnation. For here is love made fearful and hope abandoned. Even the idols that are worshipped here are shrouded in mystery and kept apart from those who worship them. This is the temple dedicated to no relationships and no return. Here is the so-called mystery of separation perceived in awe and held in reverence. What God would what God would have not be is here kept quote unquote faith from him. I'll read that again. What God would have not be is here kept so called faith from him. But what do you not realize <laughs> I'm sorry but what you do not realize is what you fear within your brother and would not see in him it is not what makes God seem fearful to you and kept unknown. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Micah. Okay. Um, uh, Okay, 50. Just as, Jessica's got me all fearful now about reading this paragraph. <laughs> uh, you cannot make the body the Holy Spirit's temple, and it will never be the seed of love. It is the home of the idolatry and of love's condemnation. For here is love made fearful and hope abandoned. Even the idols that are worshipped here are shrouded in mystery and kept apart from those who worship them. This is the temple dedicated to no relationships and no return. Here is the so-called mystery of separation perceived in awe and held in reverence. What God would have not be is here kept safe from him but what you do not realize is what you fear within your brother and would not see in him is what makes God seem fearful to you and kept unknown 51 idolaters will always be afraid of love for nothing so severely threatens them as love's approach let love draw near them and overlook the body, as it will surely do. 
and they retreat in fear, feeling the seeming firm foundation of their temple begin to shake and loosen. Brothers, you tremble with them, yet what you fear is but the herald of escape. This place of darkness is not your home. Your temple is not threatened. You are idolaters no longer. The Holy Spirit's purpose lies safe in your relationship and not your bodies. You have escaped the body. Where you are, the body cannot enter, for the Holy Spirit has set his temple there. Thank you, Micah. Lana? Okay, um, Adal, um, 51. Adal, Adal, I can't say that word, will always be afraid of love, for nothing so severely threatens them as love's approach. Let love draw near them and overlook the body, as it will surely do, and they retreat in fear, feeling the seeming firm foundation of their temple begin to shake and loosen. Brothers, you tremble with them, yet what you fear is but the herald of escape. This place of darkness is not your home. Your temple is not threatened. You are idolaters no longer. The Holy Spirit's purpose lies safe in your relationship and not your bodies. You have escaped the body. Where you are, the body cannot enter, for the Holy Spirit has set his temple there. 52. There is no order in relationships. They either are or not. An unholy relationship is no relationship. It is a state of isolation which seems to be what it is not. No more than that. The instant that the mad idea of making your relationship with God unholy seemed to be possible, all your relationships were made meaningless. In that unholy instant, time was born and bodies made to house the mad idea, and give it the illusion of reality. And so it seemed to have a home that held together for a little while in time and vanished. For what could house this mad idea against reality but for an instant? Thank you, Lana. Do we have a new reader for 52 and 3? I will. I could do that. I could do that. Okay. Uh, Ida, Ida and then Robin Marie, please. Okay. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> 52. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is no order in relationships. They either are or not. An unholy relationship is no relationship. It is a state of isolation which seems to be what it is not. No more than that. 
the instant that the mad idea of making your relationship with God unholy seemed to be possible, all your relationships were made meaningless. In that unholy instant, time was born and bodies made to house the mad idea and give it the illusion of reality. And so it seemed to have a home that held together for a little while in time and vanished. For what could house this mad idea against reality but for an instant? 53. Idols must disappear and leave no trace behind their going. The unholy instant of their seeming power is frail, as is a snowflake, but without its loveliness. Is this a substitute you want for the eternal blessing of the holy instant and its unlimited beneficence? Is the malevolence of the unholy relationship so seeming powerful and so bitterly misunderstood and so invested in a false attraction, your preference to the holy instant, which offers you peace and understanding, then lay aside the body and quietly transcend it, raising, rising to welcome what you really want. And from his holy temple, look you not back on what you have awakened from, for no illusion can attract the minds that have transcended them and left them far behind. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Robin Marie. Fifty-three. Idols must disappear and leave no trace behind their going. The unholy instant of their seeming power is frail as is a snowflake, but without its loveliness. Is this the substitute you want for the eternal blessing of the holy instant and its unlimited benef- beneficence? Is the malevolence, malevolence of the unholy relationship so seeming powerful and so bitterly misunderstood and so invested in a false attraction, your preference to the holy instant, which offers you peace and understanding, then lay aside the body and quietly transcend it, rising to welcome what you really want. And from his holy temple, look you not back on what you have awakened from, For no illusions can attract the minds that have transcended them and left them far behind. The holy relationship reflects the true relationship the Son of God has with his Father in reality. The Holy Spirit rests within it in the certainty it will endure forever. Its firm foundation is eternally upheld by truth and love shines on it with the gentle smile and tender blessing it offers to its own. Here the unholy instant is exchanged in gladness for the Holy One of safe return. 
Here is the way to true relationships held gently open, through which you walk together, leaving the body thankfully behind and resting in the everlasting arms. Love's arms are open to receive you and give you peace forever. Thank you, Robin Marie. Do we have another new reader? 54 and 5. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Lee. Oh, yes. Morning, Judy. I can do it. Okay. Thank you, Lee. The holy relationship. The holy relationship reflects the true relationship the Son of God has with his Father in reality. The Holy Spirit rests within it in the certainty it will endure forever. Its firm foundation is eternally upheld by truth, and love shines on it with the gentle smile and tender blessing it offers to its own. Here, the unholy instant is exchanged in gladness for the Holy One of safe return. Here is the way to true relationships held gently open through which you and your brother walk together, leaving the body thankfully behind and resting in the everlasting arms, love's arms are open to receive you and give you peace forever. The body is the ego's idol, the belief in sin made flesh, and then projected outward. This produces what seems to be a wall of flesh around the mind, keeping it prisoner in a tiny spot of space and time, beholding unto death, and given but an instant in which to sigh and grieve and die in honor of its master. And this unholy instant seems to be life, an instant of despair, a tiny island of dry sand, bereft of water and yet uncertainly upon, and set uncertainly upon oblivion. Excuse me. Here does the Son of God stop, briefly by to offer his devotion to death's idols and then pass on. And here he is more dead than living. Yet it is also here he makes his choice again between idolatry and love. Here it is given him to to spend this instant paying tribute to the body or let himself be given freedom from it. Here, he can accept the holy instant offered him to replace the unholy one he chose before, and here can he learn relationships are his salvation and not his doom. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Do we have another new reader for 55 and 6, please?
Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. The body is the ego's idol. <clears throat> Read that again. The body is the ego's idol. The belief in sin made flesh and then projected outward. This produces what seems to be a wall of flesh around the mind, keeping it prisoner in a tiny spot of space and time, beholden unto death and given but an instant in which to sigh and grieve and die in honor of its master. And this unholy instant seems to be life, an instant of despair, a tiny island of dry sand, bereft of water and set uncertainly upon oblivion. Here does the Son of God stop briefly by to offer his devotion to death idols and then pass on. And here he is more dead than living. Yet it is also here he makes his choice again between idolatry and love. Here it is given him to choose to spend this instant paying tribute to the body or let himself be given freedom from it. Here he can accept the holy instant offered him to replace the unholy one he chose before. And here can he learn that relationships are his salvation and not his doom. You who are learning this may still be fearful but you are not immobilized. The holy instant is of greater value now to you than its unholy seeming counterpart, and you have learned you really want but one. This is no time for sadness, perhaps confusion, but hardly discouragement. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lori. 56. Here it is given him to choose to spend this instant paying tribute to the body or let himself be given freedom from it. Here he can accept the holy instant offered him to replace the unholy one he chose before. And here can he learn relationships are his salvation, not his doom. You who are learning this may still be fearful but you are not immobilized. The holy instant is of greater value now to you than its unholy seeming counterpart, and you have learned you truly want but one. This is no time for sadness, perhaps confusion, but hardly discouragement. 57. You have a real relationship, and it has meaning. It is as like to your real relationship with God as equal things are like unto each other. Idolatry is past and meaningless. Perhaps you fear each other a little yet. Perhaps the shadow of the fear of God remains with you. Yet what is that to those who have been given one true relationship beyond the body? Can they long be held back from looking on the face of Christ? And can they long withhold the memory of their relationship with their father from themselves and keep remembrance of his love apart from their awareness? 
Thank you, Lori. Do we have a, a new reader, someone that has not read that would enjoy concluding with 57? Okay, Fran. 57. <clears throat> you have a real relationship, and it has meaning. It is as like your real relationship with God as equal things are like unto each other. Idolatry is past and meaningless. Perhaps you fear each other a little yet. Perhaps the shadow of the fear of God remains with you. Yet what is that to those who have been given one true relationship beyond the body? Can they be long held back from looking on the face of Christ? And can they long withhold the memory of their relationship with their father from themselves and keep remembrance of his love apart from their awareness? Thank you, Fran. Okay, to recap then, from chapter 20, the promise of the resurrection. I like that. Lemoyne, the promise of resurrection, section seven, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The meaning of the Son of God lies solely in his relationship with his creator. Yet, as the Son of God invented an unholy relationship between him and his father, his real relationship is one of perfect union and unbroken continuity. One he made is partial self-centered, broken into fragments, and full of fear. From 46, nothing can show the contrast better than the experience of both a holy and an unholy relationship. The first is based on love and rests on it, serene and undisturbed. From 48, love has no darkened temples where mysteries are kept obscure and hidden from the sun. It does not seek for power, but for relationships. 49, the Holy Spirit's temple is not a body, but a relationship. Body is an isolated speck of darkness, a hidden secret room, a tiny spot of senseless mystery, a meaningless enclosure carefully protected, yet hiding nothing. From 50, what you do not realize is what you fear within your brother and would not see in him is what makes God seem fearful to you and kept unknown. 51, let love draw near idolaters and overlook the body as it will surely do and they retreat in fear. Yet, what you fear is but the herald of escape. The Holy Spirit's purpose lies safe in your relationship and not your bodies. You have escaped the body. Where you are, the body cannot enter, for the Holy Spirit has set his temple there. 52. There is no order in relationships. They either are or not. An unholy relationship is no relationship. It is a state of isolation, which seems to be what it is not. No more than that. 
the instant that the mad idea of making your relationship with God unholy seemed to be possible, all your relationships were made meaningless. From 53, is this the substitute you want for the eternal blessing of the holy instant and its unlimited beneficence? Is the malevolence of the unholy relationship your preference to the holy instant which offers you peace and understanding? Then lay aside the body and quietly transcend it, rising to welcome what you really want. For no illusions can attract the minds that have transcended them and left them far behind. From 54, the holy relationship reflects the true relationship the Son of God has with his Father in reality. Here the unholy instant is exchanged in gladness for the holy one of safe return. Here is the way to true relationships held gently open. Love's arms are open to receive you and give you peace forever. From 55, here the Son of again between and love. 56, here it is given him to choose to spend this instant paying tribute to the body or let himself be given freedom from it. Here he can accept the holy instant, offered him to replace the unholy one he chose before. And here can he learn relationships are his salvation and not his doom. The holy instant is of greater value now to you than its unholy seeming counterpart. And lastly, you have a real relationship and it has meaning. It is as like your real relationship with God as equal things are like unto each other. What is fear to those who have been given one true relationship beyond the body? Can they be long held back from looking on the face of Christ? And can they long withhold the memory of their relationship with their father from themselves and keep remembrance of his love apart from their awareness? Oh boy. Amen. We have uh, four or five minutes till the top of the hour. Floor's open. Well, this is Lemoyne. I I feel called to rant my little, rave my little rave. 
rant, my little rant about the body, that uh, it's uh, it's not a it's not a single thing. It's a community of things that uh, are the same in essence. They right? have the same DNA, but it's it's really like trillions, literally millions of millions of little cells that, and so actually some cells are very long, but, you know, the community of these smaller entities that just share, they survive as a single thing, appearing as a single thing because of their sharing of their being in relationship, you know. The air only goes in one hole, but somehow suffuses the body, and, you know, there is this constant sharing and messaging of a body and homeostasis or reasonably good health that just that just is and and works and it it's our conception of it as a single thing that is like a shadow it's like viewing it as, it's like looking at our shadow because the I, you know, Course of Love says the whole point of this is to be sharing being in unity and relationship. And that's what those cells are doing, is sharing being in unity and union and relationship. But their being that they're sharing is, I want to say you, or what (laughs) what my body is sharing is me. And that this is to look at the body as ourselves is to look at our shadow and say that's me. That the body is more properly viewed as the expression in unity of relationship of the life that we are. And so it's like the physical projection of being. And um, yeah, I mean, that's not to substitute for what this is, what this section is saying, I struggle with these sections sometimes that seem to be filled with harshness, but it's like it says, the Holy Spirit's temple is not a body, but a relationship. And the body as a temple is a relationship, but what makes it holy is not the temple, but the altar. And that altar is the being that we all share being the love that created us. Stop there. Boy, that was nice. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, you, Lemoyne. So important to remember all of that about the body being a sharing place. Thank you. Agreed. Thanks, Father Marie. Well, we are at that wondrous time of the morning when we get to have Fran remind us of today's lesson. Fran, let me turn it over to you. Thank you. Wondrous. I love that. (laughs) Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and this is the last day of our theme, What is Forgiveness? 
And the lesson for today is lesson 230. Now will I seek and find the peace of God. So I'll read some from What is Forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. It does not pardon sins and make them real. It sees there was no sin. And in this view, all your sins are forgiven. What is sin except a false idea about God's Son? Forgiveness merely sees its falsity and therefore lets it go. What then is free to take its place is now the will of God. An unforgiving thought is one which makes a judgment that it will not raise to doubt, although it is not true. The mind is closed and will not be released. An unforgiving thought does many things. In frantic action, it pursues its goal, twisting and overturning what it sees as interfering with its chosen path. Distortion is its purpose and the means by which it would accomplish it as well. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is still and quietly does nothing. It offends no aspect of reality, nor seeks to twist it to appearance that it likes. It merely looks and waits and judges not. He who would not forgive must judge, for he must justify his failure to forgive. But he who would forgive himself must learn to welcome truth exactly as it is. Do nothing, then. And let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your guide, your savior and defender, strong in hope and certain of your ultimate success. He has forgiven you already, for such is his function given him by God. Now must you share his function and forgive whom he has saved, whose sinlessness he sees and whom he honors as the son of God. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 230. Now I will seek and find the peace of God. In peace I was created, and in peace do I remain. It is not given me to change myself. How merciful is God, my Father, that when he created me, he gave me peace forever. Now I ask but to be what I am. And can this be denied me when it is forever so? Father, I seek the peace you gave as mine in my creation. What was given then must be here now, for my creation was apart from time and still remains beyond all change. The peace in which your son was born into your mind is shining there unchanged. I am as you created me. I need but call on you to find the peace you gave. It is your will that gave it to your son. We'll take a moment, reflect on this. Lesson 230. Now will I seek and find the peace of God.
In peace I was created, and in peace do I remain. It is not given me to change myself. Lesson 230, now will I seek and find the peace of God. Amen. Amen. Beautifully done, Fran. Oh, that was beautiful, Fran. Thank you. It always is. Mm. Oh, thanks so much. Yes, thanks for that reminder, friend. Hi, this is Chris. Thank you, friend. Thank you for the readings. Really enjoyed the the text reading. I have a tendency of tackling the lesson instead of the text reading. There's so much information there. I love the title, Now Will I Seek and Find the Peace of God. Where do I find the peace of God now, this holy instant? And um, in this holy instant, if I remain in that and be mindful of this moment, I'm in peace. And if if I'm not in the holy instant, I believe I could believe I changed myself, but myself, my higher self, is in the instant, and it's unchangeable. And that's how merciful God has been, that he created peace within myself. Uh, and that's untouched no matter what kind of a past I've been through. And boy, have I been through quite a past. But there's no level of difficulties in forgiving and letting it go and asking for a more loving expression in the moment. So I'm blessed by that forgiveness that I could ask for what I am. And in that asking, the asking is just putting myself in the moment, releasing what's not valuable to me anymore and bringing myself to the moment. I'm asking for what I am when I do that. And um, that's always given to me. And it's never denied. Um, And, of course, I love the prayer part. What has given then must be here now. Again, here now. Um, it, we always, I always have the opportunity to bring my awareness here and now. Just my breath will do that. Just my observing whatever is going on in terms of sensations, feelings within the body, and feeling that in the moment I'm bringing myself in the now. And also being the observer, whatever is going on, uh, within the energy, within the body, and, the, and 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 what the mind is presenting, I'm not that. I'm 
the here and now witnessing, observing that. Uh, and again, this space that I'm in is unchangeable. It's beyond change. It's, it's beyond time, beyond change. Can I still witness impermanence within, in that changeless state? Of course. Um, and, and that peace, if I'm totally aware of it in the present moment, in that holy instant, my mind becomes a shining, shining, uh, generating peace that affects other minds around me. And of course, matter, everything's made of consciousness. So being as God created me is being in this moment and, and finding that peace. And again, I need to just dial, dial in God, call God. And again, I, for me, the, the expression of being in this moment, totally aware, stilling my mind, I'm saying, God's hearing one ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingy, <laughs> and answering that call. Oh, Chris is calling. Woo, this feels good. I'm going to answer it. Uh, I'm complete. Thank you, Chris. That's great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I'm going to piggyback on what Chris said a little bit. Hi, this is Ida. Good morning. Um, morning. Talk about it's all in the now moment. Um, When I think about time today, um, it's kind of like our lives spread out into years like like an accordion who has the folds and the folds are spread out to make the fullness of the music that the guy is playing on the accordion. But if you could, don't want to hurt the accordion, but if you could see this, as you could put, fold it all back together where all the folds were all together as one, um, that would be like what happens in the holy instant. We see past the illusion of all the years, and we're just in the moment now, that now is eternity. And then when we see the real world, you know, there's no longer an accordion. (laughs) <laughs> and and then we're home with God. Thanks. I'm complete. That's fun to track. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Oh. Thank you, that Ida. That was really a neat trip you just took us on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Thanks. Thank you. Uh-huh. Oh. Judy? Go ahead. Wasn't someone else speaking? Lee? I think it's you, dear. Okay. I, um, 
I think I'm I'm being dishonest and 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 just just ingenuous. If I'm, I think I know my oneness with God. I um so value what the text is uh, again and again uh, referring me to um, the difference in looking through the eyes of perception and um, seeing myself as a body and looking through the eyes of my body and seeing other people as bodies is to use the egoic mind for judgment, evaluation, competition, differences, and, um, you know, all that jazz. And that I am denying um, my Christ consciousness, I'm denying that God is within me and that I am denying who I am in God by not seeing through the eyes of vision, which holds no judgment whatsoever. And, um, you know, that this is so clearly saying that we make an idol, idol an image of ourselves and, and then we perceive through it that, that in, in the holy encounter, and this is why I always remind myself of holy encounters, that I either see my brother as myself, as God created me in spirit and purely mine, purely and holy and innocent, sinless, without judgment, and, or, or I lose myself. I lose myself completely. And um, the importance of me not ever to forget that, that that until um, God takes the final step to me that I'm capable of slipping into perception and judgment. So um, I dedicate my altar, my altar, my mind being the temple to God. This is clearly in this portion of the text that my meaning, my meaning comes from God, that my meaning as the Son of God comes from God and lies solely in my relationship with my Creator. So, ergo, there I go, holy, loving, and forever, that nothing is contingent on that. There's no contingency. (laughs) What does that word contingency mean? There's no contingency on that. Perfect union, perfect. Unbroken continuity is something that's, that's um, you know, the, that we invest time with a past, a present, and a future. We conceptualize time as something to be used for our purpose, for the continuity of the ego a sense of separate self. And I'm going to write a story, who I, who I was born as, who, how I grew up, you know, what made me the way I am. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and um, all that, yes. So that, that's all in here, too. The, that perfect union and an unbroken continuity comes from one holy rolling instant to the next, like, Chris, you, you so beautifully speak of this. You know, this it's changeless. I am changeless. Perfect, perfectly united with everything in heaven, heaven, here on earth, wherever. You know, there is nowhere. 
there is no place, there is no time, there is no distance. It's all one and the same thing, equal, equal, one and the same. And it speaks of that. Would he who sees the face of Christ choose his home as the only place in the universe where it can't be seen? That's a pretty direct question, isn't it? I'm afraid of my brother because I, I can't, I don't have X-ray eyes to see through his body, and I don't know what's in there, and it scares me. Love, oh, I, I'm going to stop. I just, there's, this is a very powerful part of the text, and I think you know he doesn't, he doesn't make light, or um, I don't know. I just, it's very serious. Huge stuff to me, and I guess um, I just love this holy relationship where he talks about um, us as the Son of God with God, our Father in reality, and its certainty will endure forever. Its firm foundation is eternally upheld by truth, and love shines on it with the gentle smile and tender blessing it offers to his own. So I'll just quietly exit stage left with that. Love shines on it with the gentle smile and tender blessing of its own. Oh, okay. That's all. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm in the heart of it. <laughs> It's Lee. That was good, Judy. Thank you. Boy, you guys, so um, here's the thing. Um, all I can do is share my takeaway from years of studying this book and years of uh, pounding sand at uh, trying to understand his grievance against the body. <laughs> And then coming to recognize, oh, my God, he doesn't have an issue with the body. He doesn't have an issue with the world. He doesn't have an issue with anything factual or actual in front of me. His only issue is that part of my mind has distorted my relationship with all things and has made of me, instead of a lover, an idolater instead of a lover, an idolater. There's another word, like, oh my God, why does he want to throw that word in there? That one's just loaded with guilt. Throughout this course, he'll use words like hate and murder and things to get my attention and then gently teach me what their meaning is. His use of the word idolater is very powerful. If I don't accept that my relationship with all things is set by my creator, that my creator is right here in this moment with me, was not departed when I opened my eyes on this world by other than my uh, mistaken impression about what everything is and what it means. When I recognize God's right here and my relationship with him is full and vital and present, awaiting my awareness when I recognize all things have 
their genuine meaning waiting for my understanding. And when I recognize that what the ego is, is a part of my mind that wants to instead install its version of my relationship with all things, centered on a body identification instead of my identification as spirit. The limited, tiny, frail little being that the ego makes of me allows the ego to persuade me, allows that little part of my mind to have a field day with authoring a completely false relationship with self, other, world, God, and everything. And it has a grand old time. The word for that, when he wants to compare it to the fullness of my genuine relationship with all things, is he'll call it idolatry. It makes of everything, according to the ego, only what the ego can draw or derive from it to fill its little empty coffers because it knows nothing of genuine joy, genuine love, genuine belonging, genuine union, or genuine anything. The ego is the part of my mind distant from all that's genuine, and it has to try and fill itself with what it can grasp, pull to itself, own, control, and manage. You can see how that is. So he'll call me in one moment among the separated ones, and he'll call me another moment among the idolaters. But it's only in reference to which of two aspects of my mind I'm attending to, my wrong mind or my right mind. And my wrong mind is home of the ego, my right mind home of everything Holy Spirit wants to restore to my recollection or recall. It wants to restore to me the memory of my identity. It wants to restore to me the memory of God and restore to me the experience of union in which my relationship with all things, yeah, including the body, is completely and utterly altered. Completely altered. The first four paragraphs, you guys, of chapter 25 are worth looking at in terms of what he says happens to the body when Holy Spirit is able to change my relationship to the body and make me relate to the body. This is where this phrase comes from. That first four paragraphs of 25, I can be guided to relate to the body as a light frame of holiness by which Christ is made manifest to those who know him not. The body becomes this um, signifier of my presence. When my mind doesn't arrest itself at the body's limits and make of the body its home and identity, when the mind uses the body to extend beyond the body's limits out into creation, then the body, as it says in that first four paragraphs of 25, the body melts away in order that the mind sees Christ where he thought his body was. 
what's happening to the thing genuinely happening to the body? Does it become a different vehicle? Does it alter in any sense? Not at all. In my understanding, guys, the world doesn't have to change or alter. When he speaks ill of the body, he's speaking ill of the concept I have about the body while my mind is being guided by the ego thought system. His abbreviated term for that long expression is to call it the body. And he wants me to know by this time in the course, when he speaks ill of the body, he's speaking ill of the ego's mistaken concept about all that the body is and my mistaken impression that the body is my identity. You see, it's never about the actuality of what the body is. It's about my relationship to the body. The same is true in my experience and understanding when he speaks of the world. It's never about um, in the world. It's about indicting this relationship I have with the world where it seems alien to me, unrelated to my well-being or my thoughts, and outside, distant and separate from me. That whole world and this whole body, Holy Spirit wants to reinstate into my direct awareness in holy relationship and union. The ego fights that. And that's what this whole section is, is uh, trying to impart to me, the understanding that it's relationship that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in a holy relationship between me and another, the Holy, rela- the holy Spirit is able to find a home in this world, set up a base camp in my mind and in my heart, and say to me, this that you share with this other is what um, um, all that God imparted to you and to everything calls you to join with in relationship instead of withholding from in fear and separation. He's offering me an entirely new and renewed relationship with all things. And that's the end of the dry and parched world. That's the end of everything the ego has persuaded me. I need to just make my peace with the world being about. Lee, you just need to accept that the world's not fair. It was never set up to meet your needs or provide for you. Nothing will ever come to you, Lee, says the ego, that I don't go out and grab and secure for you. Otherwise, you're settling for what happenstance and sheer luck is providing you. But I, says the ego, will provide you wit and pluck and determination and victory. Holy Spirit whispers, everything has been given you in a perfect match with what you are in truth. And God has given his blessing to every circumstance and event that ever unfolds before you in each holy instant that your mind accepts what's true instead of 
the mistaken relationship with the ego. So you guys get the picture, I'm sure, don't you? And uh, um, it, um, it comes to me every time we come across this particular section and every time he speaks so vastly um, with caution about the nature of the body. It comes to me to uh, be able to share how freeing it was to understand he's never indicting what the body is. He's only ever cautioning me about what the ego persuades me that the body is. That was never true. And until I relinquish what the ego tells me of the, of the body and the world and of God and of you and of me, until I relinquish what the ego tells me, I can't be open to understanding, as it says in 54, that the holy relationship reflects the true relationship the Son of God has with his Father in reality, and in light of that, the relationship he has with all things in reality. I ask to lay my body aside and quietly transcend it, rising to welcome what I really want. That from 53. I need not be constrained by what the egos told me. I am or what my body is. And, um, and this curriculum is meant to free my mind from the constraints of everything the egos ever taught me. So I'm complete. Thanks, guys. Thank oh, you. Boy, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. Beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Lee, this is Roz. I really had trouble hearing this um, chapter with fairly extreme language about the body. And I'm so glad you clarified it. I knew you would. <laughs> but I was having a conversation yesterday with a receptionist that I, I to a doctor's office, and, and um, she's a Quaker. And at some point in her life, she got into the Course of Miracles. And she got turned off by some of these, you know, extreme ways of looking at the body and talking about evil and all kinds of stuff like that. And I was at a... I was trying to explain to her that a lot of this language is just to wake us up to what we normally see through the ego's eyes. But, you know, I know that you have a wonderful way of explaining it, and not everybody understands it in the way that you are trying to explain it to us. And uh, I don't know if what you're going to be doing with Mari is going to include trying to explain the Course of Miracles in a way that is understandable to people, you know, but that would be really great if you could at some point be able to do that because it it really not only clarifies but softens some of this language. You know, I just kept thinking during this chapter, well, God is everywhere, right? And God is in the body as well. God is in form. God is in birds and flowers and trees and ourselves, you know. 
it, it, it just brought up a lot of questions. And then the idea about unless you have a holy relationship, it's not going to be, it's not really real, it's not really love. And I think about my parents' relationship and they really loved each other, but they didn't have a holy relationship as we talk about it. And even long after my mother had passed, my father was still in love with her, even though he was married to someone else and he loved her too. But, you know, I mean, there is love, but it is a limited sort of love. It's not the same. But the languaging here is hard. I think it was hard for me. Um, But I understand what is trying to be said here to wake us up in a really strong way. But sometimes it can be misinterpreted, you know. And your explanation always is complete and it, and it softens it to a point where it's it's understandable and digestible. But I really appreciate uh, what you have said about it. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad you pressed through, Roz. It does turn a lot of people away early. And um, so I appreciate your words a lot. I'm really glad you're with us. Well, I'm going to stay, <laughs> and it, it, it's very important because we have to be in a place where we can understand what is really trying to be said, but some of the language can be so extreme. Anyway, I, I'm just glad that you're here to clarify, but not everybody understands it. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. Uh, this is Micah. I uh, <clears throat> I was appreciating our reading today because it was. Um, I mean, it, I had challenges too with kind of the harshness about the body and kind of knowing that. You know, it could be difficult for people. And, um, but that, just a deep appreciation of, of, he knows I'm identified in um, separate consciousness. And he's, he's opening up this holy relationship in a beautiful way. Um, let's see. Uh, see, the Holy Spirit's temple is not a body, but a relationship. That part there was powerful. Um, and, well, I don't know if I can find the exact quotes right now, but the, um, I just had this alignment with, you know, this movement out of separate consciousness is, is a, you know, except for a few glimpses now and then through time, uh, that's about what I know about what it, what my existence is. You know, in um, but those little those little flashes, as brief as they were, when you look at a timeline of of how long I've been on the planet, they're really brief, and they, and so here he's opening up a relationship. Uh, an experience of joining with somebody else. And that's what I liked about that 
passage that you highlighted, Lee, that really caught my eye where he says, um, you have a real relationship in 57. You have a real relationship and it has meaning. It is like your real your real relationship with God as equal things are like unto each other. And when that was read, I, I just felt like, you know, when I move out into this shared consciousness of the Christ consciousness and, and into this unity, it, and God is there because it's like equal things are like unto each other. It, it, that unity is not, you can't separate out. Uh, Jesus or God or, or the sonship, you know, suddenly you're in this this river, this living river of pure beingness that is so rich and deep. And uh, um, that, that one really resonated deeply. Um, and that encouragement to, to let go of all those anchors that are tied into the body to start to explore this truth of, you know, of what I am. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard, it's deep work, you know, and it's, uh, and I think Roz hit on it right very clearly about knowing that it's, you know, he's trying to wake us up, you know, out of our uh, deep sleep and identification for decades, really. Um, but anyway, I, I think that's it. But um, anyway, uh, that's, well, there is one one thing. Um, uh, this morning, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I don't know how to access this unity. And it's not up to me to figure it out. Uh, the beautiful thing is the bridge from this movement out of where my consciousness is identified right now and into separation into that living flowing river of unity my the bridge is uh, or the access point into it is uh, the holy spirit because the holy spirit that's what the holy spirit is is that vision of unity and oneness and and it's not something that I have to uh, find a solution to. That I came across a passage this morning about the Holy Spirit knows how to solve all. I forget how it was worded, but uh, you know, like all all your problems, you know. And in the, the word all, you know, and well, the, the problem, the biggest problem I have is access to unity, and the Holy Spirit can solve that. And I just have to get out of the way. And um, it, it's so reassuring to align with the Holy Spirit and uh, know that everything is moving, you know, into that oneness. Um, let's see. And then um, I think that I'm, I think that's it. Oh, and Roz had something to say real quick. Well, the, the, I was just thinking about this. Yeah the chapter and how some people might interpret it as I don't need to take care of my body all I want to do is get out of here you know Um, and just ignore the needs of the body and just want to leave the planet you know leave the this time and space reality altogether and 
um, when I think about the course of love, what I really appreciate about it is how she is um, not well. Jesus is is trying to tell us that the physical plane is is important too, and that God is within that, and that that's portal to the spacious self, the God, you know, to Jesus. And it it can be misinterpreted as, you know, in this chapter, as I don't need to take care of this body. It's just, I just want to leave. And uh, that sounds like more like the Wapnick way of thinking, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know enough about this, but I was hoping to hear a little bit about what you think about that. Lee, (laughs) thank you. Well, that's going to be a great topic to carry right into the after call. Thank you, Roz. Thank you, Ralph. topic is really near and dear to me. Nothing more painful than to imagine. There are elements of the the course and the way it's taken that drives some good hearts and good people away. Thank you, Roz. Okay. Thank you for considering that. Okay. Hi guys, and uh, I I, um, I would feel incomplete if I didn't get a chance to share this morning on this reading, Temple of the Holy Spirit. But first, I want to start with what I love most about the lesson today. Now I now will I seek and find the peace of God begins with that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sentence, it is not given me to change my capital S self. That lesson is underneath the topic for the 10 days, what is forgiveness. In that first paragraph of what is forgiveness, it says, what is sin except a false idea about God's Son? Forgiveness merely sees its falsity and therefore lets it go. What then is free to take its place is now the will of God. And I appreciate it, Lee, how you um, how you started your comments with he introdu- introduces us to words and then very gently pries our mind away from the way we've attached meaning to words in a way that obstructs obstructs real meaning and and I thought about it this morning and I thought about uh, this whole body thing and um, <laughs> and and I was just flooded with the realization that what makes life what it is remember lesson 167 there is one life and that I live with God what makes life what it is is the continuity of love and as I put myself in these paragraphs today um, looking at uh, how ego perceives this experience and how he wants me to perceive this experience I realized something really phenomenal uh, before I came to this call I, I wandered for like 10 years uh, lost in grief 
and my grief was sourced in the fact that I believed love had an ending when my mother died, when my mother <laughs> left her body, we say. But this morning I realized this unbroken continuity, your holy relationship is as like to your relationship with your father. What he's talking about here is, Lori, have a look at how your thoughts about the body make you think that love can be lost or changed or altered or found uh, deficient or withdrawn from you. When I feel like I'm in a body, my essence is in a body, or your essence is a body in a body, I hold that contingency in the back of my mind that you can disappear and my love will be lost. You can change yourself and my love will be lost. I can change myself and your love or my love will be lost. Holy relationship as like to the relationship between the Son and the Father is based on the fact that love is the essence of life. There is one life and that I live with God. Life and love are alive and eternal. And as I sat and thought about it, that I thought about the perfection of the myth of the phoenix. We all know that myth. The story that upon the ashes of this self I thought I was arises my true self, the phoenix. And what what is that story except the story of the fact that love is eternal. It's unbroken and it can't be changed. And now I want to get really anchored about that. I want to tell a story that says it all to me. We, um, my family and I have gone to the same lake every year for 55 years now. And over the course of those years, different ones come and different ones go, ones go. But the essence of that experience is always shared love. That's what it was the very first time. And that's the way it's always been and will be when we're together. My sister, who married her husband 35 years ago, divorced her husband last year. And her husband said, I want to come to the lake. And it was down to her to decide whether or not that would be permissible. <laughs> Isn't this silly? And, and all the rest of us were thinking, oh, you know, to be what it is, he must be there because he's part of us and we're part of him. And it would feel incomplete if we said, no, he can't come. And so when she decided, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he can come. Uh, I myself experienced extreme gratitude because it didn't seem right, natural, true, complete to say no to love. And when I think I'm in a body, it is as if I'm saying no to love. It's as if I'm limiting what can be shared. And so he draws me back to the holy instant. He draws me back. What is the holy instant? But that instant in which communication was restored between the Father and the Son. 
And what is the nature of that communication except love? The truth. The truth that's unalterable, unchangeable, continuous, and always, always there. He says in this work that we have a natural perception, a natural perception that's direct and true and clear. That's the holy instant. And it's the natural perception that said, of course Larry has to be there. It's, it's unheard of that he wouldn't be there. And this year, um, the highlight of the trip was the embrace he gave me in tears when he left. I'm so glad you guys let me come. This is what we say to each other when we understand that God is all in all in a literal sense. I'm so glad love walks open eyes and its welcome is readily apparent. I'm so glad you're here. And that's the joy of this life. It's eternal and forever. And this morning in a way that I never... Um, understood before the nature of the deficit that my mind held my heart in when I thought my mother's love could disappear and the fact that it never did and it will always be part of what I am um, in my conscious awareness made me feel like a phoenix today if I limit myself to a body, I automatically limit you. And I lose the fact that love is the nature of communication. Always, always, always. And if I let that happen to my heart mind, I feel incomplete. The loss is the loss is overwhelming because we know we know this direct, clear natural perception of love in a way we don't know anything else and there isn't anything else worth knowing than that that's why you can say the holy relationship is as like to the relationship between the father and the son and the one true relationship and oh god help us realize we have so many true relationships exactly like our relationship with you because one when we do, when I do, I realize the living, alive nature of love that can never, ever, ever be changed or withdrawn. It's who I am. It's who we are. And it's the way we can experience there's one life that I live with God. I'm complete. Thank you, Thank Lori. You. Thank you, Laurie. That was beautiful. That was good. Yeah. Thank you, Laurie. It was. Laurie. I love the reference. Oh, come ahead. The place where I was at, there was a, a girl who had been crying so much and she got there at the hospital I was at. And, um, she just was crying and crying. She'd be on the phone. She'd be crying and all this stuff. And we were in a group. We are doing art. 
one time and um, she was crying and stuff. And I suddenly had an idea and I said, um, well, you could be like the phoenix. You know how the phoenix is like dead and, and it rises from the ashes to become like a new and, and better uh, phoenix. And you could be like the phoenix. And I just thought of that when you, because that was just yesterday when you were talking about the phoenix just now. Thanks. I'm complete. That was sweet, Ida. Thank you. Yeah, that was yeah. sweet. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. You're welcome. Lori, what do you have for us as a closing this morning? Well, I'm going to go back to this again from Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers is a part of you because it is part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself your wholeness and your health? The source of help, the call to healing, the call to heal. Your Savior waits for healing and the world waits with him, nor are you apart from it. For healing will be one or not at all. It's oneness being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation, but it's opposite. There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined. And what God joined cannot be separate. And I want, I want one more quote, if I can find it. Here it is. This is way back in chapter 7. The majesty of God is there for you to recognize and appreciate and know. Perceiving the majesty of God as your brother is to accept your own inheritance. God gives only equally. If you recognize his gift in anyone else, you have acknowledged what he has given you. Nothing is as easy to perceive as truth. This is the perception which is immediate, clear, and natural. You've trained yourself not to see it. This has been very difficult for you. Out of your natural environment, you may well ask what is truth. Since truth is the environment by which and for you were created. That's our natural, true, and direct relationship with everyone and everything that he calls Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lori. Everybody. Nice. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Lee. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. Thank you.